All right, everyone. Welcome to uh, Single Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single. I'm a uh, journalist and writer and podcaster. My other main thing is Block and Reporter, which I co-host with Katie Herzog. Uh, I'm also disorganized. I need to do better at uh, scheduling these more in advance uh, today. I just give you guys an hour's notice, which is probably not the best policy, but it was a good time slot for me, and I wanted to get this in. Um, one potentially interesting thing is that Katie and I just locked down our first ever sort of live event. Uh, it's going to be at the Heterodox Academy Conference in Denver um, on June 12th. Uh, I think folks here have probably heard of Heterodox Academy, but it's basically an uh, organization devoted to sort of open inquiry on campus and, and fostering a better climate for good faith disagreement. Uh, I've been a fan of Heterodox Academy for a long time. I moderated a panel uh, the last time they had an in-person event. So Denver's the middle of the country. might not be the easiest place for everyone to get to, but uh, I'm hoping to, to meet some listeners and readers there. And we're definitely trying to do more live events. We had a unfortunate incident where our manager, after claiming to have booked a few uh, come close to booking a few dates for us on the East coast, just like completely disappeared. So we're starting from scratch on that. Uh, so yeah, that is what's going on with that. Uh, this is mostly going to be me taking your questions or comments about whatever. One thing I wanted to draw your attention to first was an article in the Atlantic called the SAT isn't what's unfair by Catherine page Harden. Um, this sort of reiterates some points she's been making for a while and that Freddie DeBoer has been making for a while, and uh, I've talked about it a little too, although I don't have as much expertise as those two. Um, basically, it's pegged to the fact that MIT brought, is bringing back the SAT. They're just like, we, we need this. It's a useful, evaluative tool, and I think anyone who's followed the research closely has known for a while that the SAT is a more fair and be less gameable than people have argued. There's a really good article by Daniel Engberg and Slate showing that um, tutoring doesn't actually help boost SAT scores that much. Um, the part of this that I find most interesting is that a lot of scientific controversies uh, – there's this cliche about jazz. I, don't, I think I got this from The Simpsons. It's like – it's also about the notes they don't play. Uh, the notes you're expecting someone to play, but they don't play. I don't even know if that's a real jazz cliche or if it's just a Simpsons joke. But in science, like there's uh, obviously a lot to notice in terms of how people pose questions, what they study, how they study, what they study. But I think just as important a lot of the time is the questions people don't ask. And SAT is a really good example of this because people have shown that there's a correlation between SAT, SAT scores and socioeconomic status. Um, and they've used that as sort of prima facie evidence that the test is sort of rigged or, or is only a benefit to rich people. And for one thing, I don't think that correlation is as strong as people think it is. That's Freddie DeBoer's argument, at least. For another thing, what's really interesting is if you get rid of the SAT, you have to replace it with something. Uh, for example, more admissions essays or other sort of non-quantitative quantitative things. You could imagine everything from letters of recommendation to um, grades to essays. And a lot of those categories, people haven't even bothered to ask if there's a correlation with socioeconomic status. So like on the college essays thing, I believe there's one study um, linking content to socioeconomic status. And interestingly, 
among kids of color, it's wealthier kids who write about being the victims of racism. They sort of know how to play the game. They know what they're supposed to write about. Now, that study did not look at um, the quality of the essays, like how they were rated by the reviewers, but it did show a link between socioeconomic status and the themes mentioned in the essays. My prediction, and I don't think we really know, is that um, all the stuff you would turn toward if you turned away from the SAT is probably more closely linked with socioeconomic status than the SAT itself. Because obviously, there's a big difference between the SAT, where as much prep as you put into it, as much time as you have, tutoring resources, all stuff that does matter at the margins, at the end of the day, you're sitting in a room alone for three hours or whatever it is with the test. An essay could be fully written by someone your family hires to write the essay for you, or you could have a professional editor who who goes through so many drafts with you that by the end, it's not really your essay. You being a 17-year-old who can't write, but who has rich parents, it's basically the writing of a local down-on-his-luck PhD student who, who gets extra work uh, editing college essays. So it's been interesting to me how because standardized testing have sort of been held up as like a source of evil and inequality in the world and just obviously this bad thing we need to get rid of. And that really is what a lot of folks in the education space and a lot of activists feel. No one's, no one's bothered to even ask the question, to even pose the question about whether the alternatives are worse. And it's just an interesting example of, of how people stop when they get to something that would make them uncomfortable. They don't ask questions that would sort of debunk their own preferred theory about how stuff works. Um, so Catherine Page Harden, the SAT isn't what's unfair in the Atlantic. Uh, you should read that. You should read her book. You should also read, um, Freddie DeBoer's book, uh, the cult of smart. I've been really influenced by those two. I guess I should, so I don't fall victim to the same thing. I should seek out their critics more, but I just find them to be very lucid, interesting writers. Um, that was mostly what I had to spiel about early on. I see one person in the queue. Other folks should get in the queue and just ask me whatever you want about whatever. Let's go first. Dern Pride. What's your name? Dern Pride? Dern Pride. Got it. I like it. You're going to want to unmute yourself, though, so I can hear you. Alas, I will have to kick you uh, out unless you can unmute yourself in a few seconds. All right. He uh, kicked himself out. Andrew, what is up? Other people get in the queue. Hey, Jesse. Hey, how's um, it going? Oh, don't complain. You may hear a, a baby here in the background. Um, Put the baby but, on. I want to hear the baby's questions. Okay. Well, we were talking about free will before um, you know, I called in because he's three <laughs> months old and that's an age-appropriate uh, exactly. discussion is fully capable of having. Um, no, but about the uh, SAT piece, um, I know this is like the uh, the elephant in the room, or maybe not even the elephant since everyone can't stop talking about it, that seems to be, I don't know, polluting our academic discourse. Um, so, I mean, do you think there's anything of, of, of the culture that you're born in over time um, would cause you to have lower scores? Because I, I, I kind of do think there is... Um, something to that argument um, where, where, where culture might uh, actually push you to not want to be as engaged in school. And then over time, by the time you get in high school, you wouldn't score as well in your SAT. You mean like the theory that, that black kids are told it's like acting white to be good at school? Uh, yeah. I mean, so, so my brother um, and sister are, uh, well, Micronesian, uh, but not white. And 
I mean, even in that culture, which was which didn't have the um, the the repressive history, um, you know, that African Americans obviously do, uh, they definitely got called all sorts of things by their cousins. Um, just for you mean just for being good at school? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, more so my brother than my sister, um, but yeah. I mean, all sorts of stories. I mean, even myself. Um, I mean, I'm from a more white trash background. Um, but, uh, like it was considered gay to be, to do well in school. <laughs> Read, sorry. I should laugh. Like no, read, I mean, reading is gay. Yeah, it, it really was like, yeah, no, I, I, look, I, um, I think, okay. So there, there are racial gaps on the SAT. Um, I, I think obviously what you're saying is true in some cultures, not just some black subcultures, some white subcultures, some Latino. It's a thing. Um, I think as a way of explaining zoomed out racial differences, that's where I, I just think like, well, you, you don't have to just choose one thing, but I, I just do think like pockets of sort of intergenerational poverty, um, particularly among like uh, descendants of American slaves, like are better if you're going to talk about the zoomed out black white differences. And there's obviously subgroups of black Americans who do quite well, particularly recent immigrant groups. So, I don't think the culture discussion should be off the table at all. And I think um, as long as you, you do it in like a intelligent and careful way, I'm not really sure how yeah. you can avoid talking about cultural differences because obviously they cause some stuff. I think I'm just skeptical of like how much they can explain um, the zoomed out differences. Yeah. Well, I, I think by the time, you, by the time you're testing it on someone who's 18, you're, you're already way too late in that development. Like, Here's the thing I always come back to, and this is how I had to eventually come to grips with the fact that no no one is really that smart, myself included, because we, we take a lot of care to, um, like, our educational system is designed to compare people to, against each other, when the real yardstick is how well can you actually accomplish something. Like, it's you versus the universe, not you versus other people. Yeah. And uh, I worked for a while uh, in a, a drilling rig with a bunch of Navajo. And I mean, they kind of felt like any engagement with the outside world, um, I, I mean, outside the reservation was sort of like a betrayal of their people, um, which I completely get. I, then, I live near Jewish communities that feel the same way, the ultra-Orthodox in, in Brooklyn, um, for his, similarly historically understandable reasons. They, they not only do they not trust the outside world, they do everything they can to shut it out and to create their own community that in some ways is a throwback to an earlier time right and, and i i got i i i mean it took me like two months before so I, there's a, a point here where i'm going to talk about the 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 real brilliance i saw in that community but like of the three months that i worked there uh, in the summer it two of those months i was only allowed to sit in the bed of the truck because they wouldn't allow me to sit in the cabin damn um, um but, I mean, there was a guy there who, who legitimately couldn't count, um, but he could fix anything. And he could yeah. see these geometries and how to fix things in his head, like, instantly. And I, I'm sure that if you were to give that guy an SAT test, that he would he would probably not even get the points for putting his name on it. Oh, yeah. But, it definitely I mean, doesn't he, measure he could, he everything. He do all sorts of things that I couldn't do. Yeah. No, I mean, those, those are all fair points. I, I think... I mean, no one should argue that the test measures everything useful. I think it measures, does a pretty good job of measuring your ability to do the things valued by four-year colleges and particularly elite ones. Um, but uh, 
yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that I, those are all those are all fair points. The, the culture conversation is fraught for obvious reasons, and I there is this ugly history of like people talking about black culture as though that's one thing, and I think especially as racial groups get less and less meaningful because there's so many different types of white people and so many different types of black people and so many ways of immigration that might make it easier to, to talk about some of the cultural stuff. I, um, yeah, right. I, I, I don't, there's, there's certainly not monoliths and cultures have different parts. Of no, I mean, there, cause, cause there's, there's pockets of, of black America that have all the, to oversimplify all the, um, cultural stuff that gets touted by the people who have in the past made the like black culture is bad argument. I mean, Ghanaians and Nigerians kick everyone else's asses at, at, at not everyone's, but like they do very well at the level of averages. So um, yeah, I, I think it's ridiculous to, to claim that culture doesn't play a role here. It's just about um, putting it in the right context. And um, yeah, no, I appreciate the call, Andrew. I'm sorry they made you ride in the uh, bed of the truck. Uh, no, I, I, uh, it took me a while to get over it, but I understand it now. In and, and I did eventually they gave me, you know, free venison and stuff. So free venison. I, nice. I, I was, I was read in is okay. Uh, thanks man. I appreciate it. Uh, Dern pride moth. I'm going to try to bump you to the front. If we can get your mic working. Moth Dern pride moth. Are you there? Ugh, I feel bad. I'm going to have to kick you again. Just um, I'll bump you to the front one more time if you can get back in. Meg, what's up? Hey. hey. Um, so I only caught your first half of, I'm assuming it's talking about how SAT scores are unfair or what have you, but I'm glad you are bringing up education because I had a question for you. In general, if you're following the stories about basically the teacher shortage and the mass you know, leaving mass resignation of teachers, you know, is that on your radar? Have you thought about doing more investigative journalism? about? No, that? if you want to send me the best articles about that, I'd love to read about it. But I, 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 to be honest, I know nothing about that. Okay, well, so <laughs> I think you should <laughs> cover it. And specifically, and I can send it to you in the message or whatever afterwards. But there's a teacher. Um, she's like a, a TikTok creator. Her name is Honest Teacher Vibes. And, and mostly what she does is, is comedy. Um, but she quit. She quit like three weeks ago, I think. And so she's been doing these YouTube videos of other teachers writing in basically why they're burnt out, why they're leaving, et cetera. And they're terrifying, to be honest. And she's always adding this perspective of, I'm trying to tell these stories because I'm no longer a teacher. And when you're a teacher, you can't really give the full story because you're afraid you're going to lose your job. Right. Um, and it's, it's terrifying what some of these stories are. Many of them are about students assaulting teachers Jesus. and the teachers can't fight back and will get in trouble for doing that. And, <laughs> and I don't want to sound like a boomer because I'm like, well, I wasn't in school that long ago, but I guess it has been like 10 plus years, but I was, that would have, you know, that would not be okay. That should not have been a common occurrence. And my personal opinion, but again, this is where someone who is a journalist should do more investigation, but I think it ties in well with sort of what you unintentionally comment on even if you don't realize it which is i think previously in the past you know children didn't have a lot of rights we were very controlling of them and and that was toxic and unfair but we've gotten as an overcorrection it's basically allowing the children to run the show much to everyone's detriment including their own including their education including teacher safety um so i i just think that that'd be if you haven't which i guess you haven't but that would be a great thing 
to look more yeah, into it. Honest teacher vibes is the TikTok. Yeah, and I I would go to her YouTube for like the full stories. Yeah. So like that's her handle. Um, but definitely look into that. Definitely maybe even reach out to her because she's she keeps. I don't know her personally, <laughs> but I feel yeah. like her thing is she really wants to elevate. Like there are a lot of teachers leaving, and you guys don't even understand the full problem of why. Huh. Um, I will. Uh, so. I will check that out. Thank you. No problem. All right, it's me. Darren Pride, I'll give you one more chance to figure out this mic thing. Can you hear me now? There we go. Welcome. All right. Yeah, I have no idea what happened, but I'm so thank you so much for bumping me. Um, yeah, I'm glad I was able to finally make that correct the pun. There we go. Um, and I just wanted to ask, how was your tri- uh, was there anything about Cuba that you wanted to talk about that now that you're in the States? Yeah, I mean, we just recorded it. Um, here, do you mind muting yourself just because it's background noise? You can unmute yourself if you want to jump in. Um we talked about it a little on the podcast episode that just went up today and that'll be up for everyone Monday. I, I don't think there was a real reason for me to be like cautious. They're not going to detain an American there. I mean, it was basically just Cubans were very forthcoming without needing much prodding about how fucked up they think their situation is and how desperately many of them want to get to the States. And um, these days for, for, I guess, fairly complicated reasons that, that involves sometimes like flying to Mexico and then trying to make the land crossing. Um, so I I just I feel bad. My I don't have sophisticated views on this. My views are basically that they've been repeatedly fucked over by everybody, by their own government, by the US government. Um we have a really ugly history there of some of the stuff we've done and none of it has worked. None of the embargo stuff has worked to try to actually you know, bring Fidel out of power when he was in power. All it does is give them an excuse and in many cases a legitimate excuse um or partly legitimate excuse to explain away failures that are partly the result of their own shitty economic system, but are partly the result of they, they can't trade with the superpower 90 miles away from them. So um, my main takeaway, again, I as I told Katie on the podcast, I don't want to be the American who goes somewhere else for the first time and comes back like acting like I know anything about it, especially when I, I speak Spanish like a unintelligent three-year-old. But um, I, I just felt bad for them. It's like a, an amazing place. They really at the risk of stereotyping, they've really had to sort of be scrappy and try to make do without access to stuff most of the developed world has. And I just, I feel shitty. I want relations to be normalized. I want people to be able to go there freely without restrictions. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you have any, any sort of more specific questions, but that, that was my basic. Yeah, that was just my general question. I appreciate the choir about the whole economic situation. Yeah, I mean, I, the only view I get is like from left wing uh, leftists who try to lionize the healthcare system there, and former Cuban immigrants who uh, are very anti-communist. Yeah, that's all I wanted to ask. Sure, get, that, that was my only question, and also just wanted to get you to read my pun this time. So thank you. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't I don't know enough to. Um fully chime in about the healthcare thing. I think I think some of that stuff they do well, the healthcare and literacy. I think maybe in certain ways they punch above their weight because the government does put resources into it. I don't um as by that same token, one of our drivers was talking about how he's had to use an ice cube for his chronic headaches because he can't get Tylenol or ibuprofen for years. So how good a healthcare system is it if you can't get ibuprofen? Uh Ananda, what's up? Unmute yourself. All right, I have unmuted myself. Um, I, uh, the SAT thing, uh, is interesting. I, I liked Meg's comments. Um, I, uh, as a parent of a, of a son who just went through the college admissions and, you know, the decision month, um, the, the acceptance rates are, uh, you know, this is a test optional year for a lot of schools. A lot of schools decided to go test optional, yeah. um, 
I, I mean, I, obviously that's, that's, the, that's the subtext here. And the, the acceptance rates are so low. Um, and the, the, the application numbers are so high. There's, there's a Reddit, there's a subreddit called applying to college where, where kids start these threads about their results, which is very different from when, when, when I went through this. Oh God. That must be psychological torture. Just watching other kids get the results in and stuff for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, there's, uh, those are, those, they're, they're very mellow in some ways where, um, you know, people are like, oh, I'm excited to have gotten in, you know, and then students, you know, there's a lot of congratulations, but yeah, there's also people like, I got rejected with these scores, you know, just for background, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's very fraught. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, I'm the, the effect on the college process, uh, Megan McArdle had a good thread on Twitter talking about how there are uh, high schools that didn't really adapt their strategy to either the pandemic or to test optionality. And as a result right now, uh, kids who are trying to apply for the class of 2026 are competing against um, lengthy, against pandemic gap deferrals, um, pandemic admissions deferrals, and test optionality. You know, oh, people so there's like... like... Every, so a bunch of people got funneled into like one class because they delayed. They didn't want to go to school during the pandemic. You mean? Or they Correct. Didn't want to apply because, that year? Wow. Exactly. Exactly. So everyone who deferred their admission is taking up a seat this this year. Oh God, it's a <laughs> bloodbath. It is. It is. This is this is a total bloodbath. I, I um, you know, my son, my son applied to uh, a few schools and was fortunate enough to get into a couple. Um, and but but I've read stories of of kids who applied to twenty schools and got got into none because oh, they it's a nightmare. And the and the safety schools like the, the safety schools are all uh you know, they're because of, because of test optionality as well they are they're being they are also not up, they're not updating their strategy either which is um which is well we, we, we'll, we'll, you know if you're Fordham you don't admit the kid who who you say well what, what's the point of admitting this kid who's just going to go to NYU right. Right, right, right. Um, like safety schools don't don't just admit every student that they think is likely, you know, you know, like they even if they have a higher acceptance rate, they will still reject students who they think are just really unlikely to take their offers. <laughs> um, sounds like such a messed up situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I'm interested to see how it goes, and I, I I'm interested to see if schools kind of uh, follow MIT's example and and rubber band back to using the test, um, if if only just to kind of get a you know to kind of improve. Yeah, if you have if you have like a big surge of applicants or like a bottleneck like that, you to take away one of the tools that that's probably best in a cold blooded sense at sorting them doesn't seem like a good combination. It's a yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a, it's multiplicative, right? These are all multiplicative on each other. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say was, um, uh, since I know you're uh, you're, you're a gamer, um, I'm in the industry, so uh, I, I can't resist giving you a game recommendation. Something I've been enjoying a lot lately. Um, is a game called Slipways. It's a little indie game run by uh, you know one, one guy, um, you know, uh, and uh, it's it's a three X game. So it's a it's like an empire building game with no combat. Oh, interesting! No combat at all. Just no combat stuff. at all. It's it's a very optimistic and peaceful game, um, but very but very challenging. Like it's a it's a it's a very you know it's a, it's a good it's a good brain exercise, but also doesn't have like combat and violence in it. You're you're basically trying to build. The most prosperous and 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 successful, like, economic empire you can by establishing trade routes and connecting planets and. Oh, that looks uh, interesting. 
It's super fun. It's super fun. I play, I've spent quite a lot of time on it. Um, I'll, I'll take it out. I also, I, I have been playing much games lately. I did just get one called Patrick's Parabox, um, which I highly recommend. Uh, I haven't even heard of Parabox that. instead of Paradox. Yeah, it's a really clever puzzle game. Anyone who likes like chill puzzle games should uh, check it out. But Slipways, I will um, I'll look into that. I appreciate the recommendation. Yeah. Is that on Steam, Patrick's Parabox? Patrick's Fairbox is on Steam for 18 bucks, and, and so far I'm really impressed with it. It's still, I'm not even going to try to explain the mechanic, but it's like very, it's one of those simple seeming mechanics that has like endless variations and iterations to it. So yeah, anyone cool. listening who likes puzzle games, check that out. Okay. And then if, if your time is short, definitely don't pick up Satisfactory. Satisfactory? It's like addictive? Yeah. Stay away. <laughs> That's my problem with games. Like I, I have to be genuinely careful with games because... I don't play them that much these days, but like once in a while I'll come across like Slay the Spire or Dead Cells or whatever. And before I know it, I've dumped 80 hours into it that I just can't afford to give up. So anyway. Right. Uh, so the advantage, the advantage of Slipways is unlike other Empire Builders, it takes, a, you know, it's like a two hour, like one scenario is like a two hour oh, game. Oh, I, I sort of so. like those self-contained games. So. All right. Maybe I will check it yeah, out. Um, All right. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. A-A-B-B-B-C-D-E-F. What's up? Hello. Hey. Hello, hear me? Yeah, I can. Um, you brought up earlier that you were interested in uh, critiques of, or you should be interested in critiques of Freddie DeVore's book, Cult is More. Have you read uh, Scott Alexander's review of his book? Yes. It was interesting because maybe I'm mixing up my um, – I mean, he he likes Freddie DeBoer a lot, but he sort of thinks he's full of shit on some stuff. And I remember Scott Alexander is infuriated by Freddie DeBoer's idea that like kids should be in school and that schools have an important societal role to play. I remember like that sense that Scott Alexander hates schools and thinks schools are a place where nerds get tortured was a pretty big part of the review. Yeah, I think you're you're right about that. I also think I mean there's other criticisms there too, but uh, I mean. Yeah, he definitely sort of had the idea of, like, we shouldn't be just putting kids in school for no reason because it's kind of yeah. terrible. I don't know if I agree with that. But it is kind of strange how, you know, Freddie's saying that school doesn't seem to work at all, but he seems to be also saying, well, we should we should do a lot of school yeah. anyway, um, which is kind of opposite of Brian Kaplan made a similar book, wrote a similar book uh, called Tapes Against Education, where he's kind of saying maybe we should take school less seriously, have less of it which it's hard to, it's very unintuitive that people, it's hard to dismiss. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to ask you on the subject of Catherine Page Harden. We recently read her book for uh, the Bar Pod Book Club. And in her book, one of the things that I noticed that was really interesting to me that I didn't, hadn't thought about before is the claim was that GWAS, which is sort of uh, genome-wide association studies, which are basically just um, studying people's genetics. Uh, one of the most important potential usage of, of them is as a control variable for uh, social science, which, and the implications also that all tons of studies that don't use this, that aren't controlling for genetics are basically, basically useless. Yeah, it's yeah. really bad. I think that's like a little bit of a, well, I don't know if it's a ticking time bomb because I think people are just going to continue to ignore it, but I think for a while people have been pointing out that um, the clearest example is that if, if you do a study correlating like parenting style with outcomes and you find certain parenting styles lead to better outcomes and you don't account for the huge genetic similarity or between a parent and a child, you're, you're missing a thing that if you control or adjusted for that, you might have no finding whatsoever. So 
I think that that is like this thing lurking in a lot of social science that, um, I mean, I, I basically have no faith in, in social science these days. Like, I just think it's all so bad for so many reasons, but I, I'm very, I think people should be concerned about that based on what little I know about it. I actually haven't, I'm sorry, I apologize. I haven't read your book. How yet, dare you? But did you talk about that, that, that issue in there? No, uh, genetics does not come up much except in some of the grit conversation we just talk about i talk about how things like iq that seem to have a strong genetic and latent component appear to be much more important for academic outcomes than grit but not much genetics talk per se because it's just not an area where i'm um informed enough to like write at the level of a book yeah you're you're reminding me of this this one reoccurring anecdote that really kind of grinds my gears people say like there's i forget who it is there's this like famous chess teacher who decided he's going to prove that anyone can learn chess by teaching his daughter. And they all became really good at chess and everyone ignores the genetics, right? And everyone says, wow, this is proof that anyone can become great at chess. We're ignoring the fact that he was great at chess and also his children were great at chess. So it's like, yeah, that really, that's right. He didn't, he didn't pluck three random kids out of an orphanage down the street and try to make them good at chess. It's such a, it's such a weak data point that people are so convinced by it. And I think people just like it. People like the idea. Yeah. Um, um, yep. But finally, I wanted to ask you, I, I called in recently to ask about uh, setting up a conversation between you and the streamer Destiny. Have you uh, had any? Yes, I believe I haven't uh, announced it yet, but I think I'm going on his stream Wednesday, uh, which should be interesting. We, I've emailed with him. So I'll, I awesome. just, yeah, I'll, I'll probably tweet about that. Um, yeah, I should do some sort of announcement about that. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. He seems like an interesting and a smart guy, and, and it is like a different audience than what I'm used to. Yeah, you have to. lot. I mean, I think that there's a ton of potential overlap for people who are interested in him and you. And also, it's very strange to me that the, the, the things that you guys talk about are like incredibly overlapping, but you guys haven't really – he doesn't know who you are. He didn't know who you are until recently, which is really shocking to me. Yeah. And that kind of – That's, it, that's infuriating to me that he, someone doesn't know who I am. It's inexcusable as far as I'm concerned. Well, there you go. <laughs> now is your tra- chance to rectify that. I'm going to really tear into him for that, yeah. Yeah, I have kind of sent you a few schizo emails, giving you some back. No, that was useful, especially about the, the uh, was it you sent me the, that I should talk about the Jacob Blake and um, Rittenhouse stuff, or was that someone else? That was me. I sent okay, you another one also about, I don't, I don't know if you saw this one. He had this, uh, he used to do, he, he did some real life political activism. He got his stand to come canvas for. Oh, yeah, and then this other stuff. more establishment candidate, they, they accused him of being whatever yeah i gotta look into some well, of that stuff on the show okay it's, it's very interesting stuff i think it might be cool for uh, uh, like a podcast episode if that's the thing you want to do anyway taking too much time uh good no time. no worries i appreciate the call so jamile might have to be my last caller only because a high school friend of mine is getting married i need to go to her brunch bachelorette thing um so i might have to cut this short after jamile jamile what is up Jamile, unmute yourself or I will kick it to Jane's, Jane S. Jane S, what is up? Oh, sorry, that mute button is really hard to find. Um, I wanted to echo Meg, and I'm very glad that Meg, um, uh, you know, asked you about schools and the the large number of teachers that are quitting. It's 100% true. In my building, we got a very interesting email the other day from the superintendent is begging us to, you know, if you are thinking of leaving, can you please tell us? 
because it's so hard to, you know, there's a tight market right now and it's 100% true. They're issuing in my state emergency licenses to people. They allowed instructional assistants to become teachers because they oh, just wow. didn't have anybody. But in terms of the problems that were happening prior, um, there's been, and I, I've only recently been in it. So I've only been in this for about three, three years, but there's, um, this very big SEL trauma informed focus in school. And this is a part of the problem. That's socio, socio emotional learning, social emotional learning, and then TIC trauma informed care, um, which is, it's, uh, it sounds, it's something that sounds great on paper. Why wouldn't you be for this? But it's, pathologizing and traumatizing like, basically every aspect, I guess, of being a human being and labeling everything trauma. And it sort of kind of creates this flattening. So we've been having a lot of struggles in our building because behavior has been crazy. And that's kind of like a pattern that's happening everywhere. Um, and I'm part of the problem that a lot of us feel is that there's no, there's no strong response to anything anymore. Cause it's simply not fashionable to take a phone away and have consequences right. and expel and, you know, expelled, et cetera. Um, so we had a struggling week and, uh, we finally kind of finally convinced Abbott, can you please just address the phone issue prior to that, our, our, uh, Wednesday morning professional development, we were meant to read two articles, one titled, it's never okay to blame the kids. And then it goes on to talk about trauma and how they're full of trauma and potential trauma. Um, and then at the very end, it basically says, but it is sometimes okay to blame the teacher. You're just full of biases. You really need to stop that. You really need to open up your trauma-informed lens. Completely right. subjective stuff. And then this person also in this article likens it to 9-11, uh, what's happened now. And I lived in New York for 20 years, and I, I was there for 9 Sorry, like in what, like in what to 9-11? Uh, COVID and, and this new trauma, although these problems were existent before, the behavior yeah. issues were existent long before COVID came along, or at least a year and a half at least. It was a major topic in early 2019. My state even put out a um, the crisis and disruptions in classrooms, teachers being bit and kids like Tasmanian devils going through oh, a God. room and just ripping off in elementary school. Um, but saying that uh, in just like at 9-11, we all kind of almost making the argument that we were all at each other afterwards. But I lived in New York during that and the great blackout of 2003. And I would say, uh, no, actually the very opposite. And this is kind of part of the problem. We, we pulled together people dropped like what they were doing in construction sites. Cause they had some skill in moving things and they went down to the, to the construction site and moved, uh, you know, pieces of debris. I worked with somebody at a restaurant who'd been an EMT and he went down there and saw whether he could, you know, um, do you, you know, his skills could be used. And I think that that's part of what's missing in schools, um, that there's, it, it's, it's almost like a big therapy session. They've therapeutized everything to the extent that you, you really, what you're teaching is really not important. It's whether you're making those relationships and making relationships with the students. Um, also I'm the person who sent you a long time ago, about a year ago, some materials. Um, and one of them was from trauma informed, my state and I don't know whether you got those but I mean just the radical difference from one year to the other everything's trauma your sexuality your gender identity your race everything it's all trauma and it's this enormous flattening and what I'm part of what I'm scared of is I, I don't think anyone's going to listen to Freddie DeBoer's idea about ending school at the age of 12 uh, but it's an interesting idea but part of the problem is everything's wrapped up in school school unfortunately is also a place that people need to put their kids so that they can go to work and we can't kind of ignore that. And so what happens when you sort of wrap everything into school, meals, social services, everything, and then something like the pandemic comes along, it kind of wipes out everything in one go. It's like putting all your eggs in one basket. 
But I do I do think what Meg was saying is something that is I I think it would be really I'd love for a journalist to dig into it. Um, because I think it's a big problem. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to check out that uh, YouTuber and TikToker. So I appreciate uh, you seconding seconding her recommendation. Um, all right. Yeah, I, let me look at – I think, unfortunately, I need to wrap it up just to get to this thing in time. Sorry, Shauna. Trace, uh, Trace, you should just come on and we could do a um, joint thing sometime. Uh, let's talk about that. I would like to do that with you on this. Um but otherwise, thank you guys all for listening. Sorry to cut it a little bit short, but as always, I would just ask you to spread the word if you like what I'm doing here. Uh, and thank you, as always, for the recommendations of stories to look into, of materials to consume, and I hope you all have a uh, lovely Saturday. Farewell. <laughs>